Fear not, chuckleheads. Together we're going to face the future, the light that is our destiny. Welcome to the next level. Welcome to the awakening. Welcome back to episode 64 of the RunToGold.com podcast. This is an interview I did with Andy Sutton over at uh, Contra Investors Cafe. And boy, is it fiery, so have some fun. Over the past 25 years or so, Ron Paul has been one of the biggest advocates that the American people have had in Congress, uh, whether it's uh, fighting for free markets, fighting for honesty and monetary policy, or leading a movement to try to expose the Federal Reserve's balance sheet and books uh, to public scrutiny. Ron Paul has been one of the leaders uh, in, this, in this movement. And joining us today to discuss uh, in more detail this movement is Trace Mayer. Trace, how are you today? I'm wonderful, Andy. Thanks for having me. Oh, you're welcome. Good to have you back here. You wrote an article about this. Uh, why don't you give the audience here a, a gist of what your article was about uh, and uh, you know, tell us uh, what's going on, on on some of these fronts. Yeah, that's uh, that'd be great. In December of last year, Representative Ron Paul introduced uh, House Resolution 4248, which is the Free Competition in Currency Act of 2009. And what this act does is it repeals federal laws, which uh, federal legal tender laws. It'll prohibit federal taxes on gold, silver, platinum, palladium, or rhodium bullion. It'll prohibit states from, from assessing taxes or fees on any currency or monetary instrument that's used in interstate commerce or in foreign commerce. And it'll also repeal any federal criminal codes pertaining to gold, silver, or these other metallic coins. And any previous convictions, uh, for example, the Kayer case, those will all be nullified. So this is, this is perhaps the most ambitious legislation that Ron Paul has introduced, and he's introduced a couple of doozers. And to really fully understand the nature of it, we kind of have to take a journey through American legal history, and uh, that's what I've done in the article that I wrote. Uh, I've applied some of my legal background and some of my studies in American legal history to show just where we've gone as the United States as we've journeyed through our monetary law and where this could potentially lead us. So basically what we've got right now as it stands without his legislation is a situation where uh, in many states, I'm not sure about all states, but I know here in, in Pennsylvania, if you want to uh, you know, sell precious metals, you're required to fill out paperwork. There's a, the anti-money laundering uh, provisions that are uh, applied to people that uh, buy large quantities of precious metals from the public. And will this repeal those uh, anti-money laundering uh, rules as well? Well, those, are, those would be state law issues in a lot of cases. Uh, but if there are federal uh, code that's applicable. So if there's federal anti-money laundering or, for example, the FinCEN or gold right. bullion dealers are subject to certain regulations under FinCEN, then uh, it appears that this act would repeal a lot of that. As far, and then, uh, you know, if you're talking about criminal uh, penalties for taxes, for example, a sales tax on gold. Uh, California is a good example. Any purchases under $1,000, you're subject to like the 10% uh, state sales tax. Uh, those types of taxes would be uh, prohibited by the states from assessing on these uh, instruments because they would become monetary instruments, kind of like you can't 
assess a sales tax on euros or yen or sure. uh, nickels, you know. Yeah, and just to kind of frame this for the, for the folks that are listening in, it's kind of like if you go to the bank and have a $100 bill and exchange it for 20s, you know, that they would be able to levy a tax against you for that. I mean, that's how ridiculous. Yeah, I mean. Tax and gold and silver. Is. And, and, that, and that is absolutely ridiculous, you know. if you Oh, I, I put in my dollar bill and get four quarters, but I need to pay a tax on that. But actually, you know, this is ridiculous because we have, that type of attacks currently being imposed on our currency that we use in ordinary daily transactions. And I've written about this before, and I wrote about it in this article. The Mint has introduced currency controls. So if you try to take over $5 of pennies or nickels across the border to Mexico to export, uh, to melt, for example, then you could go to jail for five years or have a $10,000 fine or both. So we've already got these types of uh, asinine taxes on our currency. I mean, who owns those pennies and nickels? Do you own them or do the government own them? And if you own them, then you should be able to melt them, right? Uh, but the, the mint, they're saying, well, you can't even melt your pennies and nickels. So we've got these, these just ridiculous tax laws and regulations on our currency right now. And so what this act would do is it would get rid of you know all of all of the stupid type of things that that are coming out because obviously if they weren't engaged in quantitative easing then the pennies and nickels wouldn't be losing their value like they are yeah absolutely and you know it, it really comes back to the point and it should drive the point home to people that are taking in this information that that money really doesn't you know as viewed by the government now really doesn't belong to the people it belongs to the government and the federal reserve and it's merely on loan to us and that's why you're not allowed to deface it or you know as, as they would call it or or melt it you know and I, I believe that that really underscores that whole thing if that's really your possession and, and the copper is worth more or the zinc or the nickel or whatever is worth more uh, as a metal than it is as a monetary coin because of quantitative easing and other abuses, then you ought to be able to melt it down and, and sell it across the border if you want to because it's yours, but they don't really look at it that way. Yeah, and, you know, the the, the Latin American governments are famous for this. Uh, Chile, for example, has plastic coinage <laughs> because yeah. because it's not even worth uh, what the, you know, they can't profitably, they can't have seniorage. Seniorage is the term uh, that that we'd use here, they can't have seniorage on their on their currency because they <laughs> they print it too fast, and we're starting to see that here. The government doesn't really have the seniorage ability on their pennies and nickels, and so they're they're resorting to these uh, violent, aggressive tactics. Uh, and you know, last year they they implemented a new law about pennies being mostly made of steel instead of copper or even yeah. zinc. So, you know, that's ridiculousness too. Well, yeah, it's kind of going back to like what they did during World War II when they were making them out of tin, I guess it was at the time, because well, obviously they needed, you know, the copper for more strategic uh, reasons. Now they're just doing it because of, uh, you know, this, this, this idea that, uh, I mean, they might give us plastic money. Who knows? I mean, that, that seems to be the gist of this. Well, let me ask you this. Now, Ron Paul has introduced this bill, and like I said in the intro, I mean, he's been a real champion of the rights of people, you know, especially in the monetary arena. I mean, he's one of the few guys, I think, that really understands what's going on here with the Federal Reserve, 
and with the dollar and inflation and all of these other types of things. Does he have any support on this from other members of Congress, or is he kind of standing alone as usual? Well, you know, I, I talked about that. I was like, he on the, right now, he's the lone voice in the wilderness on H.R. 4248. But, you know, keep in mind, he introduced H.R. 1207 just a year ago, and that's the audit the Fed bill. And, yep. and now he's got 317 co-sponsors. Wow. You know, everybody laughed at him when he introduced the bill. Oh, you're going to audit the Fed. That's ridiculous. Who, who do you think you are? But now it's just steamrolling in the political scene. And so likewise, you know, he may not have very much support right now, but at the rate at which ideas spread and the pressure that people can put on their, on their uh, local politicians by going down to the local meetings and participating, uh, you know, we could very well see quite a bit of, of support come up for this act. Uh, I don't think it'll necessarily come up until people really start trying to use gold and silver in their ordinary daily transactions, sure. uh, but, but it's still there, and the more they debase and make worse the, uh, the Federal Reserve note currency, the more attractive the alternative substitute competing currencies become. And so getting rid of those barriers to entry to that currency market would be great. You know, getting rid of these legal tender laws and these uh, tax provisions, 28% rate gain tax on capital gains for precious metals. You know, getting rid of those would be gr a great boon for allowing them to compete against these little colored coupons that the Federal Reserve issues. Well, now that's where I want to. That's where I want to go next. The Fed has been extremely proficient, if at nothing else, over the years, at stonewalling and maintaining this this wall of secrecy as to what it is exactly they do. And all you have to do is spend a few hours watching C-SPAN anytime Bernanke goes up to Capitol Hill to testify <laughs> about anything. Somebody's going to ask a question that he doesn't want to answer, and he tells them to go pound salt. And he gets away with it. Well, and it used I, to. <laughs> saying, hey, why, why, don't, why, don't, why don't we arrest this guy and then throw him in a jail cell until he decides to be, be a little bit more forthcoming? Do you think that these guys are going to allow an audit of any significant merit to actually take place? Well, Ben Bernanke was severely wounded with the 70-30 vote in the Senate on his reconfirmation. The Fed is rapidly losing its legitimacy. You know, people, it, well, it didn't even have any legitimacy. It just sulked around in the, in the shadows like a vampire. Uh, but now that it's getting, you know, dragged out into the sun, it's, it's having a tough time. And that's what's great about this is, you know, right in my article, I explain exactly what the Fed's doing. And I even use Ben Bernanke's own words to do it. And Ron Paul, he says, you know, the founding fathers would be ashamed with what we're putting up with. And you said, you know, why don't we arrest Ben Bernanke? Well, let's see what the founding fathers had to say about this. Okay, Ben Bernanke, he said, quote, like gold, U.S. dollars have value only to the extent that they are strictly limited in supply. But the U.S. government has a technology called a printing press, or today it's electronic equivalent, that allows it to produce as many U.S. dollars as it wishes at essentially no cost. By increasing the number of U.S. dollars in circulation, or even by credibly threatening to do so, the U.S. government can reduce the value of the dollar in terms of goods and services. Okay, so that's what Ben Bernanke said. Now, are you familiar with the with uh, the 1792 Coinage Act by chance, Andy? 
Yes. Yeah, so this is great. So this is what the founding fathers wrote in. So Ben Bernanke says, well, we can produce as many U.S. dollars as we want at no cost. So what did the founding fathers say? Well, in Section 19, and this was actual valid law in the United States, okay? Like, we're not talking about hypotheticals here. This was actual enacted law. Section 19, it reads that if any of the gold or silver coins which shall be struck or coined at the said mint shall be debased or made worse as to the proportion of fine gold or fine silver therein contained, or shall be of less weight or value than the same ought to be pursuant to the directions of this act, through the default or with the connivance of any of the officers or persons who shall be employed at the said mint for the purpose of profit or gain, or otherwise with a fraudulent intent, and if any of the said officers or persons shall embezzle any of the metals, which shall at the time be committed to their charge for the purpose of being coined, or any of the coins which shall be struck or coined at the said mint, every such officer or person who shall commit any or either of the said offenses shall be deemed guilty of felony and shall suffer death. Yep. Okay. So this was actual valid enacted law here in the United States. So, you know, when you say arrest him and throw him in jail, man, you're getting a little soft. <laughs> I mean, I know. Well, in, in, in today's context, given with, uh, you know, the, the progression of things and what these guys have been able to get away with, it would be a somewhat of a, a jaded victory, if nothing else, for the people if he were to spend a night in jail. But, yeah, I mean, that was total... Uh, you know the, the the founding fathers they they took this issue very seriously and obviously a you know felony punishable by death is uh, evidence of that yeah and so, and we and well well to to kind of follow up on that point is you know you some people might say oh well that's two hundred years ago you know we shouldn't be doing that today well eighth of December two thousand nine so just a month ago Reuters reported that Yan Yanming Chinese guy, was sentenced to death in late 2005 and took the secret of the whereabouts of $9.52 million of the misappropriated funds to his grave. The report added that Yang was the first person working in China's security sector to be executed. Conscious that the growing gap between rich and poor could generate resentment, China is battling corruption and stock trading abuses. It has used the death penalty as a deterrent in serious cases. So, you know, if these bankers uh, and if the Federal Reserve and these officials, if they were deterred from their quantitative easing with the death penalty instead of getting bailed out, then, you know, we would have a lot more changes going on in our economy for the better because we wouldn't have all of this moral hazard and we wouldn't uh, be socializing the losses while privatizing the gains you know, with connivance, uh, stealing everybody's retirement funds. So, you know, I think that we might see some return to this type of populist sentiment. Well, I think you, I couldn't be compelled to disagree with you on that. I mean, I think if there's any, if there was a time in, in really recent history that the, the, the mindset of the people has been more attuned to this kind of a situation, I think you've got it right now. Uh, obviously, the, the the market crashes and the bailouts and and all the shenanigans and connivance that have gone on over the past couple of years have really generated a fair amount of outrage with the people. Uh, 
I want to I want to get back to this issue with the Fed though. What do you think it will take? I mean, obviously we've got Ron Paul's bill, twelve oh seven, has a huge amount of co-sponsors. Obviously, they're going to vote yes for it. It's got enough votes to pass. I mean, that's a no-brainer. Uh, the Senate may be a bit different story. Who knows what the White House would do with it if they'd be able to get a, a veto-proof uh, vote, you know, in the Senate. I mean, all that, all those questions remain to be answered. But obviously, there's impetus to go forward and do this. What amount of leverage do you think? I mean, obviously, the Fed's losing credibility with people uh, and the American population. How much leverage do you think they still have within the government to prevent this from going through? And if they would say, hey, all right, yeah, we'll let you audit, but we're only going to let you look at this, 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 and the other thing. How much influence do you think they still have there? Well, they've got a lot, and uh, they've bought a lot of politicians. However, with the uh, Scott Brown victory in Massachusetts, we're seeing the political winds change, and we're seeing people... You know they're they're starting to to get a wake up call because 2010 is an election year, and you know I don't I don't really think we're gonna see much even in 2010 2012, but you know watch for 2016. 2016 is going to be an explosive year politically because we're gonna be in the depths of this greater depression, and what's going to what we're going to see is we're going to see 78 million baby boomers going up against 112 million millennials and the millennials who all voted in Obama are going to be living through this economic misery that he's brought on them and they're going to be watching YouTubes of Peter Schiff was right <laughs> and they're going to be like well we need some new ideas because these old ones definitely aren't working and so I think we're going to, you know, I, I think that the tides are turning politically it, and it's, you know, it's kind of a generational thing. It's going to take probably a few more years before we see any, any real uh, substantive stuff happening. But uh, that's definitely the trend that it's going towards. You know what? I, I, I want to throw a caveat out there and see what you think about this. We, we definitely live, you know, especially the millennials, the younger generations, uh, they're very instant gratification oriented. Uh, the older folks are not so much so, but the older folks still have the traditional financial values and economic values to, to a certain extent. Do you think, I mean, obviously, look at what happened. Just in the, the course of a year, we had this huge momentous shift and, you know, we got rid of the, you know, the Bush era and we, we voted in all this change. And in just a year's time, we're already starting to throw it away. Uh, <laughs> Jersey election at the gubernatorial level, they got rid of Corzine, the Virginia election, and now up here in Massachusetts. I mean, Trace, think about this. Ten years ago, would have anybody said it was possible for anybody other than a, a left-leaning liberal Democrat win Ted Kennedy's Senate seat? Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> and not to say that Scott Brown's any saint, you know, and, and Bush oh, is, and, and Obama's just Bush on steroids. But what we're seeing is the government is going all in on Franklin Roosevelt's system. They're right. going all in. And they're going to lose because the market's stronger than the government is, uh, the 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 individual uh, collectively. And so they're they're going all in with these bailouts. They're trying to save these massive legacy businesses. And as their voting block continues to uh, 
decline and, and go into their states of dementia and other drug-induced comas, <laughs> we're going to see the, the younger generation who's getting taxed to death and will never see a single penny of it. You know, they're never going to see any of the retirement, Social Security retirement promises. Uh they're they're going to get they're going to get fed up with it. They are getting fed up with it, and they're going to and they're voting. Uh, they're starting to vote for for a change in the system. And so, political stuff, you know, it, it sometimes it explodes into into a revolution, but usually those things brew for decades. And you know, it was James Otis back in 1764 who preached against the writs of assistance and the and the Stamp Act. And that's in, in John Adams, he says, it was then and there that the child of independence was born. But it didn't grow up until 1776. You know, it took another 12 years for it to grow up. And so, sure, we've got blogs that are kind of like our pamphleteers uh, that, are, that are spreading the ideas. But all of this stuff is kind of festering under the surface. And I think it's going to be, you know, 2012, we're going to see more shocks in the political establishment. But 2016, it's going to get crazy. Uh, and p another aspect of this is just the rate at which technology is moving because, you know, 2008, Obama gets swept into the White House. Well, 2004, you didn't even have YouTube, you know, and now we've got YouTube of Obama prancing around saying that he's going to end the war in Iraq. And then we got a YouTube right after it that says yep. that he's going to send 30,000 more troops. And so yeah, the, old, the old political, uh, you know, model, if you will, of, uh, you know, lie today and then deny tomorrow, <laughs> that doesn't work anymore. Yeah. There's always 100 bloggers and 100 people with video clips that are going to throw stuff up on YouTube and just make a total joker out of you if you try and do that stuff. Yeah. And I'll and tell you what, it's not just Obama. I mean, I've, you take, you know, Bush, any of these guys, they have just been decimated by, you know, back to back to back, you know, little uh, montages, if you will, of, of video and audio of them saying one thing one day and then saying the total opposite. And I, I don't know. I mean, I, I think I think you're right in that it does take time uh, for, you know, revolutions, whether they be of ideas or otherwise, to foment. But I see this as being accelerated in this case just because of, you know, we're such a, a now society and, you know, all these technological innovations. Do you, do you see that bringing this thing the whole, you know, to a head a lot sooner? I mean, oh. maybe... Oh, yeah. I mean, well, 2016 is really not that far away in the grand scheme of things. I mean, you know, we're talking six years and and we're talking about the, the kind of the sweeping away of FDR's entire New Deal that's just embedded itself through unions and through all these legacy businesses. I mean, that's going to be a lot of pain. And, uh, you know, Americans don't really vote for pain very often, but the pain's coming down the, the pipeline. There's no real way to avoid it. And the sooner we get, all, get on with this uh, liquidation and credit contraction, the better off we'll be. But, of course, we've got the special interests that are going to be fighting against it. Uh, but, you know, I, I think we're, we're seeing it happen a lot faster than anyone probably thought possible. And a lot of that's due to our technological advances. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I mean, it, it, I just found it to be totally amazing just what's really happened in the last year, uh, not even just politically, but economically. I mean, and, I, I mean I'd, I'd like it to happen sooner, uh, but, you know, if, if you were to have me bet money on it, <laughs> you know, 
I I probably wouldn't because yeah because it's you know I I you're trying to marshal th what 400 million people almost in the U.S. and and it's kind of hard to to herd that many cats. <laughs> well, yeah, and there's a lot of inertia also that that has to be overcome before anything gets going. Well, let's get let's get back to Ron Paul as we start to wrap up here. He's got he's got two bills now. Uh, one he's got a huge amount of support for, and that's that's to you know put some transparency uh, behind the Federal Reserve. I mean, ultimately the goal is to get rid of it. Uh, but I think you know Ron Paul's a smart guy, and he knows that first what you have to do is lay bare the, the crimes. And I'm not going to mince words. The crimes that these people have committed over the, the generations. And uh, once once you've been able to lay bare what they've done, then it'll be a lot easier to get people behind the idea of of getting rid of it, and restoring the monetary authority. Uh, to the Congress where, where it rightly belongs as the Constitution dictates. Yeah, I, I don't think it's... It, Goldman Sachs, J.P. Morgan, the Federal Reserve, they're, they, they've got themselves a PR mess <laughs> right now. And, uh, and it's great because, you know, just grab them by the throat and drag them out of the shadows and, and where, where appropriate uh, execute in the sense of get rid of their banking licenses or things like that. I'm never one for, uh, for physical violence, I, you know, but, but, you know, that's not to say that there aren't other people who are. And, and I, you know, I'd hate to see, I'd hate to see uh, a return to something barbaric like the French Revolution. But, you know, the impetus for that was uh, the, was John Law getting the king to say if anyone used gold and silver it was punishable by death and yeah. so what did the french do well in self defense they executed the reign of terror and got rid of all the bankers and politicians so so they did it in self defense and so what are what are our bankers and and politicians doing now they're saying well no one can use nickels and pennies and if you do we're going to throw you in jail <laughs> well this has never ended well, <laughs> and no, and so, I. You know what the nice thing is, though, Trace. You know, with the uh, the creation of the the corporate entity, uh, we actually can perform an execution without shedding any blood. If we were to execute the corporate entity known as Goldman Sachs, uh, and, and uh, <laughs> we, could of, we could get rid of them, and uh, you know, imprison some people, maybe you know, for for crimes. I mean, there's let's let's be honest here. I mean, there's. There's been legitimate crimes committed against the oh, American well, people, you, monetary you, or otherwise. You, you can't, Goldman Sachs, you know, they're paying out bonuses. You can't pay out bonuses from stolen bailout funds that are equivalent to the lifetime earnings of 200,000 people, you know, and do, the, and do that in a single year and, and not expect them to be upset. You know, when, call it a crime. <laughs> yeah, well, it's a crime, and when you steal from two hundred, when you steal the equivalent of two hundred thousand working people's lifetime wages, you can't expect them to be happy about it. They're going to be pissed, and what are they going to do? They're going to they're going to seek retribution because when you, as Gerald Salenti says, when you when you've lost everything and you have nothing left to lose, you lose it, and you know I wouldn't be surprised if these vampire squids. Uh, at Goldman Sachs, start getting hunted uh, by people who have lost everything. And well, they, they did issue themselves firearms last. Uh, yeah, Blo Blo Bloomberg was. Uh, I like that Bloomberg <laughs> article, you know. And, and it was interesting. Uh, I wrote an article about that, you know, how the tensions are really up at Goldman Sachs, and I was like, you know, this is 
this is a bad problem for them because you know how's that going to affect earnings you know because that's what I care about you know how can we how can you know I got to use the same uh, judgment Goldman Sachs does well interestingly I found some I found a website that uh, that was a little bit more vehement than I was and they they'd gone and they'd gotten a whole bunch of pictures of people who had worked at Goldman Sachs they they got their pictures. They got all the people in their households. They got their home addresses. They got the cars they drive, and they've posted all this right on the internet, which is great because I'm a staunch advocate of the freedom of speech. Uh, but you know, if I were on that list, <laughs> I would. Yeah, I wouldn't want to be on that list either. And yet, that's what Goldman Sachs has done. They've pissed off a lot of people, and you know, it's. They're they're starting to uh, try and try and engage in a life hedge by buying themselves concealed weapons permits. But you know, a fifty caliber sniper rifle uh, or you know a switchblade or something. These these people aren't safe anywhere. And you had that you had that instance up in Seattle where uh, where one guy walked into a coffee shop and took out four cops that were all sitting there having coffee. So you know, if if somebody wants to come and get you. Uh, it's the cost to provide security and protect yourself against those types of events on a regular basis is just is just so expensive and so you know the the best course of action is you know leave other people alone and don't touch yeah, their do stuff the right <laughs> you know don't 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 screw people don't steal their money and definitely don't do it on a worldwide scale, you know, don't steal from billions of people. That's pretty good advice. And yeah, unfortunately, exactly. th these rabid yeah. vampire well, squids things, didn't figure that out. That would be so annoying about our media is that they kind of make it not a, not against the, you know, like against the social order to even talk about this kind of stuff. You're not allowed to talk about the fact that people are angry. You're not allowed to talk about the fact that people have been screwed. You're not allowed to use that word. You're not allowed to say that because oh, yeah, but you know, that, that's just that's just you know verboten now, and I, I think yeah. that's wrong. Yeah, well, people are mad, and they should be allowed to stand and say, you know what, I am mad. I've had enough of this nonsense. Well, look at look at the Nielsen ratings for CNBC. You've got fifty two percent decline year over year of their audience, and of the people who are actually got the TV turned on, forty. 40% of them have a laptop, and they're surfing their favorite blog. And what's their favorite blog talking about? Well, it's talking yes. about reintroducing Section 19 and the 1792 Coinage Act for these yeah. vampire squids. So, <laughs> so you know, I you can talk about whatever that media is, but they're an old, dying order also. And, and they're being replaced by a new form of media. And the new form of media is not happy about most of the people writing in the new form of media are not happy about what these vampire squids and uh, Goldman Sachs and the Federal Reserve have been doing and a lot of them aren't afraid to talk about it and so <laughs> the the there's a great Mises quote you know violence and force are impotent against the power of ideas ideas can only be overcome by other ideas and at the end of the day what Goldman Sachs and the Federal Reserve are doing is they're stealing from millions and billions of people. Yeah, and, you, yeah, and they're doing it with violence and aggression and coercion and under color of law, strutting around in their cute little costumes uh, with their hired thugs who are government officials. And you can't do that because the ideas are inferior. 
And, you know, this is the problem that they're having is they're trying to fight with inferior ideas and yeah, they're, they're losing. Trying, they're trying to sell legalized theft and the people aren't buying anymore. And it's, it, you know, like you said, they're, they're losing the war of ideas and you can't, you can't battle that with force, at least not in the long run. Yeah, ideas are bulletproof. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, listen, Trace, as we wrap up here, why don't you spend a minute, give out your website, uh, tell us some of the stuff that's going on there, and uh, how people can follow these articles that you're writing on these subjects. Oh, okay, yeah, you can just come to rundagold.com. Uh, that's where I I wrote I write a lot of the articles, and I've actually got a new product in the works. We've just sent it. We're, we've sent it to the publisher. It's going to be a new book, and actually, uh, any of these Goldman Sachs vampire squids that are listening to this, they might want to buy it because uh, the, <laughs> the book the book's uh, called How to Vanish, and it's all about personal privacy and financial privacy. And so it goes along with another blog I co-author with a whistleblower attorney, uh, Bill Rounds, uh, and also a privacy law expert. He and I, we we went to law school together. And so we've come out with this new book all about personal and financial privacy called How to Vanish. And hopefully it'll be available in a, you know, probably about two to three months. Uh, But it it should be quite fun. I'm going to be sure to pick up a copy of that. I can't wait to, to read about it. The uh, The privacy issue is something that's uh, definitely intriguing in today's digital age uh, and uh, e-commerce age in particular. Well, listen, Trace, again, pleasure having you on the show. Uh, enjoyable as always. And, uh, you know, let's get together again in a few months here and, uh, and talk again. Okay. Thanks, Andy. Hi, this is Jim Willie from the Hat Trick Letter, found on www.goldenjackass.com. And you are listening to Run to Gold.